standing, we can go to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. We're continuing our series, trying to, trying to wrap up this series about the kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We want his will to be done down here as it is up there in heaven. Amen. Turn to a few people, greet them in the name of the Lord as we're seated tonight. Amen. We've been uh, following the kingdom of heaven throughout the Bible, and, and really what we've seen and witnessed so far is that really it's kind of only touched down on the earth. One time in the very beginning where everything was at peace and everything was perfect in the Garden of Eden as we are told. And, and so now we are tracking uh, is the return of that kingdom of heaven to the earth because it was promised through the seed of the woman and uh, through, uh, through Abraham's seed and through uh, David's lineage that there would come one that would usher in this kingdom to the earth. And it was at hand, we are told the kingdom of heaven was at hand some 2,000 years ago. But the nation of Israel felt that it wasn't up to their expectations because they had their own uh, belief systems, their own thoughts of how this thing should play out. They weren't open to what God's will and His plan was. They had things all lined up according to their needs and their expectations and and in doing so, they ended up rejecting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords uh, through that process as he was crucified and hung on the cross. And through their failure, we see that the world has been blessed because of they, their failure because the blood of Jesus Christ was shed on Calvary. And without the remission of sin, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so we're thankful uh, through Israel's failure that we, our sins can be covered, that we have a Savior, we have a Redeemer that we can look to, to cry out to, to run to the altar and, and to uh, plead uh, before Him, uh, Jesus, and all that He did for us. And He took our place upon the cross. It, it, it never really was His cross. It should have been our cross, your cross, my cross. That's who uh, Jesus took our place Amen. He took our punishment for our sins, and that is why he is so worthy of everything, right? Because he took our place. When we, we should not be here, we would not be here if it wasn't for his grace and mercy. And so, uh, also, we are told that his blood, which also was the purchase price for his bride, the church, as we are told, and, and as we become members of this church, by repenting of our sins and being baptized in Jesus' precious name to, for the remission of our sins. Uh, that goes to show you even more to further uh, cement the, the, the Jesus' name only. Is that if the church is the bride of Christ that he purchased with his blood. And how can you get baptized in the titles and not take on his name? Uh, how, how can you not take on the name of the one who you are to be wed to, to be engaged to, 
Uh, and so that proves and disqualifies that baptizing in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, uh, that doesn't count because you're not taking on the name of the one you're uh, espoused to. And if we are his bride, then we're going to take on his name. And where do you do that? You take on his name in the waters of baptism in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we are born of the water in his name that identifies us who we are uh, espoused to to be wed to as his bride. Then we are filled with the Spirit of Christ, and we become citizens of this kingdom of heaven. Uh, the kingdom that is coming to this earth very soon, it's uh, even sooner, uh, closer to arriving now than it was last uh, lesson, last Thursday. It's getting closer. And we as born-again believers, we get access uh, to the power that is in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. God gives us his spirit, and through that we have power to live in this world uh, the way that he wants us to live in. And so because we are uh, ambassadors for Christ, we're living now in a foreign country, a foreign territory, and we need all the help that we can get living in this world. Yeah, one day we, we used to be a part of it. We used to live according to the ways and the customs and the things of this world. But, but that was a, before we found an altar and we, we got in touch with Jesus Christ and got filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And then all of that change and all, uh, not only did that change take place, but also changed our citizenship. And now we are uh, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But now we're still living here. We've still got these, this same body that we, we've always had, but the, the change is taking place on the inside. And we need all the help that we can get with a world that is full of evil and ever-increasing darkness. And as we, as vessels of light, have to make our stand for righteousness and make our stand for holiness and godliness because uh, we are here as representatives of the kingdom of heaven. And if we don't stand for the kingdom of heaven, if, if we don't stand and be a witness to this world and let our light shine, then who's going to do it? There's no, really nobody else. The Jews are still uh, partially blind, and so they're not making a stand and, and fighting for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of righteousness. The only ones here on this earth that are fighting and making a stand for righteousness are the people of the church, are you and I. The apostolic believers who have been born again and filled with his spirit, we have access to that power, and so uh, we are to live and are called to live like that. And so we have been informed by the word of God, how and when the kingdom of heaven will once again manifest itself here on the earth. Uh, apart from our representation on this earth, it's actually physically going to come here to the earth and physically, uh, God will physically reign on this earth. But before it comes, we've uh, been outlining, we've been talking about uh, things and the events that must take place before the kingdom arrives, according to what we see in the Word of God. And last week we looked into the event that is next to happen. The, the very next thing uh, on the, the prophecy scale that is going to happen is, is the rapture of the church, the taking away of, of the Lord's bride. And so once the rapture happens, that initiates the next event, which uh, is known uh, as the revelation of the Antichrist, the man of sin. And we briefly touched on this last week, 2 Thessalonians 
to remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you those these things. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. You know what's holding him back, for the mystery of iniquity is already at work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Uh, and so we believe that to be the church being taken out of the way with the rapture. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And so I believe that it is the church that is holding back the Antichrist from appearing in this world. And, and once we are gone, he's going to rise to power because he who withholdeth is no longer holding him. And so this, I believe, is, is the first seal that is open or broken that is spoken of in Revelation. We, because we see in Revelation 5, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book? to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look upon. It's interesting that there's uh, people in heaven. Otherwise, they would say there's no man in heaven that's worthy. Uh, and so people are in heaven right now. And, and so, and I, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to even look upon it. No, no man in heaven, earth, or under the earth was even worthy. And, and once one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And so Jesus Christ was the only one that is worthy to open this scroll, to unleash the seals uh, that are written uh, in it. And so... Uh, he comes forth and he, he takes it and he is the one who is going to open it. Now this book or uh, most likely it was a scroll uh, back then when they obviously used scrolls. It is sealed shut uh, with seven seals and the only one who is worthy to open it un unlatch these things is Jesus Christ. Uh, because he was the sinless man, sinless lamb of God. Uh, that was slain from the foundations of the world, and so he's the only one that was sinless and can, can do these, open these things. Uh, what is written on the scroll, we're not told exactly. I mean, we can assume maybe it's probably uh, what we're reading here in Revelation. Um, some people speculate that the scroll is symbolic or is in, in, in reference to, like, the, the deed of the earth. Uh, and, and so if the kingdom of heaven is going to come to the earth and take residence on the earth, then there's lots of sin, lots of evil that must be dealt with before the kingdom comes. Uh, and by the grace and mercy of God, he hasn't poured out his wrath yet upon this earth. Uh, but here we see Jesus taking the scroll and starting to remove uh, the seals one by one. And when the removal of a seal, something happens in the earth. And we see this in, as beginning in Revelation chapter 6. I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. 
Come and see, John. Come and see what's going to happen. Come and see, church. Come and see what's going to happen. Come and see, elders. The people that are up there are going to come and see what is going to happen with this first seal that is opened and unleashed. And we see in verse 2, and, now, and I saw, and behold, a white horse. He that sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, I understand that we are entering into the, the part of the Bible where there are dozens and dozens and dozens of interpretations. Uh, people have all their own uh, ideas of what exactly uh, these four horses mean, and even things after this, because uh, obviously it's not clearly written. Uh, many of it's in symbolic form and, and similes and, and things like that. And so, uh, nobody, we don't know exactly what they are. We can all speculate, and we all have ideas. Everyone has their opinion. And so, uh, give you my opinion. What I uh, what I think is kind of makes sense. And I again, I could be way off, but uh, there's lots of options out there. I guess. I don't plan on being here on the earth to watching to see what's going to happen. I want to be up there when it says, come and see what's going to happen. I'm going to say, okay, um, let's figure out what, this, what exactly this white horse is. Because mankind's been talking about it, speculating for thousands of years. And so now I want to be on the front row, be able to see, okay, let's come and see what this is going to be. Uh, and so the first horse of the apocalypse, as they are known, is a rider on a white horse who had a bow and a crown. Bible says he went forth and he went conquering the world. I think that this is the Antichrist. Why? Because who else do you know that comes riding to the horse, to, to the earth on a white horse? Revelation 19 says, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Uh, not like that first one, he only had one crown. Here is many crowns. Why? Because we know he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's lord of over everything. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed uh, him upon white horses as well, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And, and so if, if Jesus Christ comes to the earth on a white horse, would it make sense that the Antichrist, the one who claims to be the Christ, don't you think he would also try to come to the earth on a white horse as well? And, and so this is the first thing that happens on the earth. After the church is raptured up in Revelation 4, 4 and 5, talk, uh, you know, there's a time of celebration of the people that are redeemed and, and worshiping God. Uh, but after, after that, we get to verse 6, and then all of a sudden now something happens, and this white horse uh, appears. The church is taken out of the way. Now time for the man of sin to be revealed after the rapture of the church, and what is one of his defining acts that the Antichrist does in this world is that he implements peace. He brings peace. Uh, confirmation of the covenant, he signs peace uh, in the world. That's why uh, Israel falls for him, uh, because he, he brings peace uh, to, the, either to the Middle East or to the whole world. 
uh, he, somehow he ushers in a time of peace. And Israel, that's one thing. That's why they didn't follow Jesus right away or, or enthrone him as king because they're looking for peace. And he didn't really bring peace then, but he will be bringing peace here soon. And so they, uh, they're looking for peace, Israel is, and this man brings peace. Uh, and so uh, how do we know? Because this is the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel. Um, and we are told the purpose of the 70th week or the last seven years in Daniel 9.24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, upon thy holy city to finish. The whole purpose of the final seven years is to finish transgression make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity. All those three things are, are not good things, but it's got to be done. And to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. And so that's the whole purpose of the final seven years is to make an end of sin, to clean this, clean this earth out, basically. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is going to be coming and things have to be uh, prepared for that to come. Then in verse 26, after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off. Uh, we know that Jesus was cut off in the 69th week, but not for himself. The people, the prince that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood unto the end of the war of desolations are determined. And here we go, verse uh, 27 is talking about the Antichrist. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's seven years. One week is seven years. The Antichrist comes in and signs the covenant that brings in peace. And in the middle of the week it shall cause a sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abomination, she shall make it desolate even unto the consummation that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. So the Antichrist comes uh, the beginning of this final seven years and he confirms a covenant with peace with Israel and many other Arab nations. And, and uh, once obviously you see what's going on, I don't know if you've seen what's going on, but all what's going on in Israel right now. It is is crazy. It's the, the so many rockets. Over thousands of ro a thousand rockets have been fired at Israel this this past week. And talk about end times. Talk about how Jesus uh, needs to come. And, and so uh, this is even further preparing. What's happening right now in Israel is further preparing for the Antichrist to come and say, "Hey, everybody, stop this. Let's all have peace." And then Israel's going to be like, "Thank you, Jesus." Well, not not really Jesus, but uh, they're going to look at this guy and think, wow, could he be the Messiah bringing peace? While there uh, thousands of rockets are being fired, and here this man is able to uh, bring peace to this whole area. And, and, and so uh, the Antichrist confirms this peace covenant, and this is what promotes him uh, to world power and dominion. Uh, the rider on the white horse went forth conquering and to conquer. And then we see verse 3, Revelation 6, and when he hath opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat upon thereon to take peace from the earth. Well, where did the peace come from? It had to have come from the white horse, the Antichrist, who went before and, and made peace, now here comes uh, the red horse that takes peace from the earth. 
and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. And so red symbolizes blood being shed, and so here we're seeing a, a great war take place, uh, World War Three, World War Four. who knows how many war, world wars this may be, but uh, we are told that peace is taken from the earth now, and now killing starts happening. And, and what follows, what follows after war generally? We'll see here in verse 5. Uh, and we open up the third seal. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm moving through these things. People can take weeks and months on all these. But uh, we're just going to kind of move through them. Uh, and, and when he had opened up the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and behold, lo, a black horse, and he that sat upon him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou, hurt not the oil and the wine. And so what follows war oftentimes are economic collapses, worldwide collapse. If this is a massive worldwide war, uh, there's going to be an economic impact because of that. And truthfully, we're almost already there on the brink of an economic collapse. Uh, most countries are already bankrupt, not even... Uh, don't even get talking about America and their bankruptcy. We're, we're way beyond that. Uh, barely hanging on, printing money out of thin air, just making money like there's no tomorrow. America's bankrupt. Europe is bankrupt. We're, we're barely keeping ourselves afloat. And with a massive war, uh, the, the talks of this, it's going to uh, collapse most economies. And it says a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. That was the effect of the third horse. Uh, and so obviously they're given a, a, a price, a market price of, of what a penny can buy here. And so if that is after a massive war, an economic uh, breakout, uh, collapse, what was the normal price of wheat and barley? If that's what a, a wheat and barley can get with the third horse, what could you have got it for before then? Uh, a penny could have bought you ten measures of wheat, a normal, normal, normal time, and thirty measures of barley. But here now, instead of buying ten measures of wheat, now you can only buy one measure of wheat for a penny. And instead of buying 30 measures of barley for a penny, now you can only buy three. And, and so what happens is there's a 90% loss in monetary value. Imagine the price of everything going up by 10 times. That's the buying power we're seeing here happen after this massive war. Imagine, we're, all, we're, we're going crazy about the rising gas prices. This is not going to be enough. This is going to be sprinkles on a cupcake compared to what's going to happen here. Imagine a gallon of milk costing you $40. Imagine a gallon of gas, $20. Uh, 30 bucks now It's uh, for 10x and everything. A loaf of bread, $20. Depending on what type of bread you got, buy, I guess. It could be $60 if you buy the nice loaves. Uh, uh, $10 for a, a dozen of eggs. Imagine uh, all of this. This is what happens in the third, the third horse. Uh, uh, the, the economic and 
collapse and hyperinflation that causes what hap- what's that going to cause? That's going to cause a worldwide famine. Who can afford $40 a gallon of milk? Become lactose intolerant then. They ain't drinking milk anymore. Just water only. Uh, and so uh, we see this, uh, this hyperinflation take place after this big war um, and all the economies are just collapsing, like I said, we're, we're, we're already there. The economies, we're just barely staying afloat. But what is interesting, it says, uh, and see thou, hurt not the oil and the wine. How is everything else going crazy but said not to hurt the oil and the wine? Oil and wine was some of the most expensive items uh, in John's day when he was writing this, oil and wine are very valuable items. The alabaster box of oil that uh, Mary broke at the feet of Jesus. Some has said that is estimated to be a, a year's wage. This box, is, this box of oil was a year's wage. Uh, and so really back then only the, the wealthy had lots of oil and wine. And it says, see thou, hurt not the oil and the wine. And so what happens in a worldwide famine when, when uh, uh, milk goes to $40 a gallon? Rich people, they, it doesn't affect them. It, it, they, they'll pay the price, but it doesn't affect the wealthy like it affects everybody else. And so uh, they can afford to pay $40 for a gallon of milk, but everybody else can. And so uh, hurt not the oil and the wine. People that can afford the oil and the wine, they're not going to be hurt by this because they're millionaires and billionaires and all these things. And so it's not going to affect the the wealthy people. Uh, Just basically the other 99% of the world will be impacted by this. And, And so to me it seems like a good time to implement something like, oh, you want to eat? You want to pay $4 for milk? You can do that. Just re- stick out your hand and let me stick this chip in your hand, and you can go buy $4 gallon, $4 milk. But if you don't want to take this, Mark, then $40 for you. You can, you can buy things at the price that you're used to buying if you take this, Mark. And, and uh, if you don't want to take the mark, well, then I guess you won't be buying or selling, will you? The world's, we got to move on. We got to, uh, with this worldwide collapse, financial collapse, we've got to usher in a worldwide financial system. And we'll stabilize the prices for everyone who's involved and plugged into the system and who has the mark and who can scan their hands and their foreheads and just buy. And so everything will start going, try to rebuild, going back forward, uh, obviously those that, are, that take the mark. And so if, if things got this bad, and we're only in the third, third part, third seal of the apocalypse, uh, can you imagine what, is, what follows? Revelation 6 and 7, when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the forest beast say, come and see. And I looked and beheld uh, a pale horse, his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. Power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth, kill with sword, with hunger, death, and with the beasts of the earth. With a worldwide economic collapse and famine and $40 gallon of milk. What gonna, what's going to happen because of that? Massive death, starvation, hunger. Uh, people are going to be going crazy. And it says here that uh, one-fourth part of the earth is given to this, this horseman. 
25% of the world's population are going to die here, if not before. 25%, 2 billion people will, will die uh, that are killed with the sword, that die from hunger, uh, that are murdered, and that are killed by wild animals. 2 billion people. Again, this is, to me, what seems makes most sense, and there's obviously many other interpretations, but uh, this is as, as scary as it is. It, uh, you don't want to be here for this. You don't want to be here for this. And so that's why we gotta be we got to be prepared, be ready to get out of here because you don't want to be around for this. You may, you may, you may think, well, we'll survive, uh, you know, the Antichrist. Well, it says here, beasts of the earth are going to start killing people too. I mean, who knows? You may, you may survive the Antichrist, but some kind of wild beast comes and gets you. Who knows? Uh, people are going to die. Two billion people, one-fourth part of the earth will be killed. And we see in verse 9, Revelation 6, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. Obviously, there's a massive, there's a killing of believers. Um, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? White robes were given unto them, every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest a little, yet for a little season, until the fellow servants, their fellow servants also, and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. And so there's a large number of people that are killed uh, for their faith in God, um, and they're, they're crying out for vengeance, and, and God says, you need to wait because this is not over yet. We're not even... Uh, we're not even through uh, this final seven years yet. And so moving on, that's the fifth seal. Uh, moving on to the sixth seal. All why We're talking about all these things have to happen before the kingdom of heaven comes back to the earth. As, as This is the road map that is spelled out in the Bible. Uh, and so we're at this point. In verse 12, moving on to the sixth seal. And I beheld when, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. Uh, the sun became as black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Notice a lot of physical things are happening to the earth. Not, not just people dying, but not actual physical things happening to the earth. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. The heaven departed as a, as a scroll when it rolled together. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Every mountain and island. doesn't say a few. It says every mountain. So I have to believe that every mountain on this earth is going to be moved. Uh, the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us. And hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For that the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? What a, what a statement that is being professed from the earth that all these people are, are asking for death they, because they can't imagine it anymore what is happening. They, they want the, the rocks to fall on them and kill them and hide them. Uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ, 
uh, because of his wrath is being poured out. And they finally, they're finally realizing that the wrath of God is being poured out here in the sixth seal. And, and they ask, uh, they, they say a question, who shall be able to stand? The great day of the, his wrath has come, who shall be able to stand? And so before we move on to the seventh seal, uh, I believe that this question here is addressed. Who shall be able to stand? Uh, and so in chapter 7, I think the, the question is answered. And uh, musicians, if you would come. Revelation 7, after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of, his, of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And so uh, it's interesting, uh, the way that I see this playing out and unfolding is we read in verse 6, or the sixth seal, how the mountains are moved and the heavens are unrolling and stars are falling to the earth and uh, lots of physical changes are taking place in, in, in the sixth seal. But that question is asked, who's going to be able to stand, withstand all this? And I believe uh, that here in verse 7 is uh, John's kind of given a, uh, uh, a peek at uh, the answer to this question. He's given a flashback that uh, because the angel's saying here, don't hurt the earth or the sea or the trees until... The servants of God has been sealed. And so I think he's seeing a flashback. But before all of this has began, uh, God had sealed people uh, that would be able to endure uh, this time. Because the previous chapter, the earth is already being, being, being destroyed. But here in, verse, in chapter 7, the angels are saying, don't, don't touch the earth. Don't do anything to the earth until the servants are sealed. And so that had to have happened before all of these things were unleashed. And so he's shown who will be able to stand in this time of tribulation. Who's going to be able to withstand all of this and survive as, as the people of the earth cry out because of the devastation that they see. And, and the answer is revealed and given to John. Uh, the, the fifth seal we read, uh, people are slain, uh, believers are slain. The sixth seal had a great earthquake that shook the entire earth and the skies falling, mountains and hills are moved all around, and 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 that's what we see uh, desired here. Is before the earth is hurt, uh, there's a sealing that takes place, and I, I think even before the tribulation begins, God seals, as we find out in Re Revelation chapter seven, God seals 144,000 Jews, 12,000 Jews from every tribe. That these Jews will be protected during all of these seals and, and judgments in the earth and things are going on. They're protected. Uh, uh, and so what are they sealed for? What's their purpose? We're not really told. We're just told that 12,000 from every tribe is sealed before the earth is hurt. Uh, some people have said that these 144,000 Jews are evangelists that will help turn the nation of Israel to Jesus Christ. 
Um, I don't know who they are or their purpose. All we know is that they are sealed and they are covered from a divine protection during this time because the people on the earth are not surviving. And they're saying, who can, who can stand uh, the day of the Lord, the wrath of the Lord? And, and here the, the answer is given to John, the people that God sealed before all this took place. They're the ones who's going to be able to stand through all of this. And so uh, that is discovered in, in Revelation chapter 7. And after each tribe is listed, uh, John sees things in Revelation 7, 9. After this, beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations, kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Verse 14. And I said unto them, him, Sir, thou knowest. And he, he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so that kind of sounds like what happened in, in the fifth seal, where, where a bunch of believers were slain uh, for, their, for their faith and their belief in, in, in Jesus. Uh, and so uh, I think John's kind of seeing that a, a, from a different angle. In verse 15, therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple. He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them, and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto the living water, fountain of waters, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eye. That, that gives you hope that once you're in heaven, none of these things matter anymore. Once you're in heaven, God wipes away every tear from your eye, takes away every single pain. You no longer have to worry and cry anymore. No more, no more heat, no more pain, no more thirst. Why? Because we're in the presence of Almighty God. Once you're in His presence, He's all that you need. He can supply every need, and He is, he is your light, He is your life, and He is supplies you with all that you need to sustain and, and keep you alive. And so once you get to heaven, no more worrying about what's going on because you're in the best place that you can be. If you stand with me tonight. Revelation 8, and when he had opened the seventh seal, we haven't, we're just now getting to the seventh seal. Chapter 7 was kind of a flashback of the sealing of the 144,000 to endure the time of tribulation. Verse 8, Revelation 8, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. I'm not sure if it's a literal 30 minutes or what. It, it doesn't matter at that point. If you're in heaven, it doesn't matter to you. Of all that has happened in the first six seals, massive destruction and, and pain and heartache and death on the earth. Of all that's happened in the first six seals, the seventh seal is opened and there's nothing but silence. Why? Because if you thought that the first six seals were bad, what's getting ready to happen is going to be a whole lot worse. There's silence because of what is coming. Silence for humanity and silence for the earth. And 
because even more of God's wrath is getting ready to be poured out and there's silence there, silence in space and for grace and, 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 and for people to repent of their sins and repent of their ways and, and even now in the midst of God's judgment and wrath, God is still merciful and don't let the silence pass you by. Don't let the grace of God run out in your life because God is merciful and He gives us that space. He gives us that an altar to repent and a, a church to go to and a, a place to lift up our hands while we have the opportunity. Don't let these opportunities pass us by because things are going to get a whole lot worse in this world. And so I want to make sure we, we lift up our hands, we sing as much as we can, we shout praises unto God because it's not the time to take things for granted. It's time that we stick closer to the altar, closer to the foot of cross, the foot of the cross than we ever have before because the time is coming where that all is going to be going away. Verse 2 of Revelation 8, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God. To them were given seven trumpets. And so the seventh seal pauses for, for a minute and then the next phase starts lining up. Seven angels with seven trumpets. And another angel came and, and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. Every prayer that you and I have ever prayed has been collected in heaven. Every single prayer has been collected. Not a single one has been lost. Yeah, there are many that have not been answered yet, but that does not mean that God did not hear them. That does not mean that God forgot about them or lost them. No, every single prayer is collected that the saints pray, and that is why you and I, that is why we keep on praying. That is why we keep on believing. Why? Because they're being collected there up in heaven, and it's not time to give up on prayer. It's not time to give up on seeking for the lost and our lost family members. It's not time to quit praying for the backsliders. Why? Because they're being collected up there as a memorial before the Lord. And it goes up as an incense before Him. And so if there's ever a time that we need to send up more prayers, it's now. If there's ever a time to start praying more for the lost of our city, it's now. If there's ever a time to pray for our friends and family members and lost loved ones, now is a time because they're still being collected by God. They're still being up there uh, and, and collected as an incense before the Lord. In verse 5, the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire of the altar, and he cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And that initiates the next round of judgment that is to come on the earth. And after the, the, the prayers of the saints are, are, are burned up on the altar, now it's time for the next round of the seven trumpets that come. And, and it gets worse as time progresses in this world, and uh, it, it behooves us to seek his face evermore because uh, God's going to bring his bride out of this world. It, 
the, the bride of Christ does not need to be here for all of this. It's no purpose for us. It's the purpose for to bring the end of transgression and sin. And so I don't know about you, but I plan on missing all these things. I want to see these things from the front rows of heaven where the angel says, come and see. And then we rush and we come and see what's going to happen because you don't want to be left here. You don't want to be left behind because it's not a pretty thing that happens on the earth. Many of the believers are killed for their faith. But I want to miss all of that. I want to, I want to be caught up with the rapture. The trumpet that sounds and God's coming back for his bride. Do you want to do that? Come on, let's begin to worship the Lord tonight. Let's begin to cry out to him. Let's begin to magnify him because he is worthy of our praise. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your time, Lord, that you've given us. Lord, we don't want to let a moment pass us by. We don't want to miss out on what you have for us, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Turn our hearts to you in these days, God. Closer than ever before. Hallelujah, we exalt you, Jesus. We lift you up, Lord.
worship him. Let's lift him up one more time. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your blood that you shed for us, God, that we can have an opportunity, God, that we can come before you, God, and seek your face. We give you the praise and the glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We, uh, we are told to pray for thy kingdom to come, and it will come. But these, a lot of these, all this stuff has to happen before it physically comes to the earth. And man, it's a great and terrible time because once it does come, it's, it's peace on earth. Thousand years of peace like never before. But to get there, it's got to be a pleasant time on this earth. And man, we're going to live for him and seek him closer than ever before. Amen. God bless.